It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Bianca Wattis Oltoff. And before we dive into the podcast, let me just take a quick second. My husband and I subscribe to the notion where we honor up, honor down, and honor around. And so I just want to take a quick moment and I just want to honor you by saying thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for being part of this podcast community. If you are anything like me, you might desire a little bit of control. And if you do, hey, good news is that you're not alone. In fact, maybe you're sitting here thinking like, no, I'm not a control freak. I don't desire control. If we step back and analyze this from a 30,000 foot perspective, the truth of the matter is, is that we all wish we had just a little bit more control. When our relationships are strained, when our bodies refuse to cooperate, when the future is uncertain, control promises security and peace. And let me tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. We find ourselves saying, if only I were in charge. And this illusion seems more attainable than ever in our day and age. Technology, science, medicine, and the internet all promise us ever-increasing mastery and control over our world. The problem is, control is the devil's deal. The more we seek it, the more it betrays us. In place of predictability, it gives us anxiety. In place of certainty, it creates more complexity. And in place of unity, it divides. It's not just that we can't control things. It's that we break them even more when we try. Thankfully, the answer to our craving is not simply a let go and let God, like Pinterest images or maybe Instagram memes might lie to us about. When our friends aren't listening or our loved ones are self-destructing or our kids are acting crazy or when our health is declining, we don't have to scramble after control, nor do we have to throw up our hands in exasperation or defeatism and say, what will be will be. No, instead, God has given us a better tool. In our culturally insightful and eye-opening conversation, Sharon Hottie Miller helps us discover the real power that God has given us in Christ to exercise influence over ourselves and over our lives. I hope you enjoy this interview. And for more information on Sharon or her resources, check out the show notes. Sharon, I don't know if I should say that I love you or hate you because the topic that we're going to talk about is one that I like absolutely, it drives me crazy. But I just feel like there's a person that's going to be able to talk about this issue with control it's going to be you. So welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for your time. I'm glad to be with you. Okay. So I want to jump right into the deep end. Like I think with a topic like this, I want to maximize our time together mm-hmm. and whether people like immediately identify, oh my gosh, I'm a control freak or yes, I have mm-hmm. this issue with control. Or maybe people think like, oh no, I don't have an issue with control. It's not a stronghold in my life. It's not that big of a deal. Can you do us a favor? Can you give us like a 30,000 foot view or even Mm -hmm. like a definition of what do you define control as? Yeah. So control is actually two things. And we tend to think of it as when you are able to impose your will on something, you know, you, Mm. you want to control the outcome of something. You want to control the decisions that a loved one is making. And so you want what you think is right to be what happens. And so we think of that as control, this absolute power But what we're often very after is just the feeling of control. We don't like that feeling of being out of control. And that's something that I dive into in one of the chapters is this concept of the illusion of control, which I learned in my research is actually a psychological term. 
And it refers to this idea that we imagine we have control and we don't. And one really funny example of this that I read about was there, there's been tons of studies on this, but there was one about casino players, how they will, when they want to roll a high number, they'll shake the dice harder. And when they want to roll a low number, they'll shake it softer, which I have done this. And it, it's not nothing like happens. <laughs> There's like no magical way to roll the dice that you want, but that is the illusion of control. So it's almost this human mm. pathology. And the reason why we crave, you know, that illusion of control is they've, they've done studies showing that, that when you think you have control, whether or not you are, it actually lowers your anxiety and it lowers your depression, which sounds great, except for the fact that it is an illusion. And so eventually mm. that is shattered. And what you're left with afterwards is a reality you're unprepared for. So because you've studied human psyche and our desire, our, like what is control? Why do we have a desire for control? As in like, does this root from a particular place? Mm -hmm. Like, why do we have this urge to control mm -hmm. the outcome? Yeah, there's a couple reasons. The first is theological. You know, we see this in Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve, prior to the fall, they have freedom, they have power, they have choice, you know, they have purpose, they have everything essential to thrive. But the one thing that they don't have is control. And this becomes the sticking point for them, their wills versus God's. And so they reach for more knowledge to be, you know, quote unquote, like God. And unfortunately, this single moment becomes the blueprint for all of humanity. And we are essentially doomed to reenact this moment again and again. Every time we reach for control to empower us or to fix a situation, we're reenacting that moment. But the thing that we are unfortunately also reenacting is the consequences. So in the same way that they ex immediately experience shame, they immediately experience anxiety, they immediately experience division between them, we immediately experience all sorts of consequences as well. And so that's part of the reason why we have this urge is, is we've kind of inherited it from our original parents. You know, it's, it's in our like broken <laughs> spiritual genes. But another reason why we struggle with it is we live in a culture that is discipling us into it and that is constantly promising us, you can control, like you can control your body. You know, you can eat a certain way and never get cancer or you can defy aging. We live in a culture that basically hands us the smartphone that, you know, has like, you can't see it on my phone, but it has a bitten fruit on it. <laughs> and every time we, you know, every time we pick it up, we're coming, you know, accessing predictability and uncertainty. And so we're being formed by our culture to believe mm. we have control. And so that's the second reason. But the third reason that, that we crave control, and this is more a note of, of grace, is that the world is not as it should be. You know, we, we live in this Genesis 3 world, but we were created for Genesis 1. We were created for security and for stability and for peace. And when we crave those things that is not sin. You know, that, that is not the, the brokenness in us. That's the brokenness around us. And so I think it's important to name that control is not always about pride. It's not always about idolatry. It is our soul crying out for the world we were created for. I love this. Okay. So, so as somebody who is a self, self-professed mm -hmm. control freak, um, 
this is, this is where, this Mm -hmm. is my intention. It's like, I I feel like if I can control Mm -hmm. a situation, then I don't want to say that nothing bad's going to happen, but I think maybe less Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. will go wrong because I just have planned everything. Talk to me about the undoing of that and if that's healthy or there elements that are successful and do Mm -hmm. work in our favor, or is it just all bad? Do I need (laughs) Jesus to come and fix my life? I think whenever we are operating outside the boundaries of what God has placed on our our power, it's going to have consequences. And specifically, we are not responsible for the outcome of like people in our lives. Like we can't be responsible for the outcome of how we raise our kids. Like we can do our best to teach them about Jesus, to disciple them, to steward our influence as our parents. But I actually have no control over whether or not they actually follow Jesus. I'm not responsible Mm -hmm. for that outcome. Mm -hmm. And when I forget that is when I step into the territory of control. And so part of the reason I wrote this book is that this was a huge epiphany for me, understanding that because of that Genesis 3 moment, the cost of control is not an if, it's a when. And Mm -hmm. I might not see the cost right now, but it is coming. It is coming. And I'll share just a couple examples of the ways that this has played out. Like this has played out in my marriage, you know, where I'm leading a church with my husband, just like you. And we don't always, I don't know about you guys, but we don't always agree on decisions. Really? Because I totally agree <laughs> on everything. Sharon, no way. No, I, we, we're, we've had stories behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we and don't like, always agree. And it's, I mean, the stakes are high. Like this is a church, you know, sometimes these decisions yeah. really, really matter and we don't mm-hmm. always see eye to eye. And when I see it one way and he sees it another I know how I can out-talk him. Like I'm very strong verbally. And so I know how to basically come at him as an attorney and explain to him why my perspective is correct. And I can press him and, and pressure him and manipulate him and coerce him into making the decision that I want him to make. But mm. it is going to cost our marriage. And mm. what I have seen, we just celebrated our... 13th anniversary? Yes, 13th Congratulations. <laughs> what I've seen though is I, I've done that a lot over the years and it has mm. consequences for our relationship that I didn't see for like five years. Mm. And then all of a sudden it has fundamentally shaped our marriage in a way that I can't just quickly undo. And so that's one way that that we experience the cost of control. Another way I've experienced that maybe this will also resonate with you is as a pastor, just leading through the last two years. And mm. every decision that we made, we were going to disappoint someone. Yeah. You know, someone was going to disagree with us. And I started thinking well, what if I walk through scripture with them, you know, and show them these are the, these are the verses, these are the passages that are guiding us. Or, or what if I show them the wise counsel that we saw or the experts in our church or the theological framework that we're using? And if I could just download all of that into their brain just the right way, then they are going to suddenly understand why we made the, the decisions that we made and they're going to change their mind and they're going to agree with me. And again, this was about control. You know, I was trying to control yeah. them, but I was also trying to give myself a sense of control. What that actually ended up doing was creating anxiety in me because I would lay awake at night 
rehearsing these conversations mm. and thinking if I just said it this way, or if I just said it that way, that would convince them. And it never did. But what it also did was strain my relationships with them because people don't like to be controlled, even if it's very gently. <laughs> and so those are just some of the ways that, that this plays out. No, I love it. Okay. So can we talk about control and the inner critic? So people who have a high level of control also have a high internal voice, like mm -hmm. the inner saboteur. Mm -hmm. How can we learn to separate the truth of that voice with the truth of God's word? Hmm. That's a really interesting question because I don't struggle. I don't have an inner critic. Do you? Okay. Question. What number, what number are you on the Enneagram? A seven. Oh my gosh, me too. That was okay, how, so that's how I figured out I wasn't a one is I, I thought I was a one and someone said, oh, you have an inner critic. And I was like, no, I like never criticize okay, myself. Okay. But in stress, <laughs> do you know, do you know what our default number is in stress? Well, it's one, but mine doesn't it's manifest one. that way. Mine manifests okay, okay, okay. as self-righteousness. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing that you're a master, right? <laughs> I get really like self-righteous okay. and angry. That's how mine comes out. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. So I didn't realize this and I would never say that I have yeah, a hard tell me about critic, this. I want to hear but, about this. Okay. So, well, well, in setting, in setting control, mm -hmm. and I would say that it's, if there is, if it was, if there was eight deadly sins and control was the eighth, yeah. like, this would be probably the thing that I wrestle with. Yeah. And like you had, you had alluded to this earlier, like we're in a culture right now that tells you that you can have control. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. Like even in, even in conversations around like weight and body, mm. I am doing everything by the book, yeah. shall I say by the calorie and it's not giving me results. Right. Yeah. Like, and so then, so for me, if control doesn't work, mm -hmm. then my inner critic, my inner saboteur goes to you're a failure yeah. and you suck. Yeah. So, but your voice goes to self-righteous. So wait, just out of curiosity, what is your manifestation of control look like as, as like, as a set. Oh, I mean, I think that's where I lay awake at night ruminating oh, and yeah. thinking, cause it's not just, I would love to say it's humble and earnest when I'm laying awake at night, wishing I could change people's minds, but it is not, it is me on, you know, just standing over them, lecturing them because why don't they understand, you know, mm, like, yeah. and that's, that's the nice version. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when we talk about control, cause somebody out there right now is listening mm -hmm. to this and they're probably saying, okay, I'm identifying, I do have a control issue. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, listen, I don't want to throw everyone uh, under the bus here, but I think everyone to a certain degree has an mm -hmm. issue with control. Yeah. And yeah. so why should we let go of the need or desire mm -hmm. to control? And what does letting go of control look like practically? Because we can talk about it theoretically. Mm -hmm. I know, Sharon, I know I shouldn't be controlling. Like, I know, mm -hmm. just give it to God. Like, I know it. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how to do it practically, especially in moments of like high stress. Mm -hmm. So yeah. walk us through this. Yeah. So the reason we should let go of control is the whole reason that I wrote this book is that it mm -hmm. costs you. It costs you. Every time you reach for control to fix something in your life, it doesn't work and it only breaks it more. And, and you might experience success momentarily, 
But in the end, there is a cost and this is inescapable. And so that's part of the reason why I wrote this was to say, you don't have to live this way. You know, Jesus came and and died to heal, you know, what was broken in Genesis 3 so that we don't have to. At the end of the day, we actually can't fix it. And when we try, that's when we stray into, you know, the cost of control. But the other piece that I get to just at the very end of the book is that God doesn't give us control but he does give us agency. He does give us influence. And and agency Mm -hmm. is not a word in scripture, but it was a word I found really helpful to capture the the God-given influence that we have, how we partner, you know, with him, with with the Holy Spirit to influence people around us. It's, it's not as if God says, you can control nothing. And so just lay down on the ground. You know, we we are called, we have purpose. And we see this in Genesis 1 and 2, where, as I mentioned, Adam and Eve, they have everything essential to thriving. They are commissioned. They are called to, you know, name and, and to order and what we see there is them walking in full freedom and full power and full stability, like all the things that we think control will give us, they already had it. And mm. so in the last section of the book, I look at what are the forms of agency that, that we have in the garden so that we can put down control and, and pick up agency instead. And some of the way that that's going to look is not, I, I think in those situations, people always ask me, well, when I've I want to control, you know, my kids or my spouse or whatever. What should I do instead? And unfortunately, that is also kind of a control question. (laughs) Because it's like, how do I fix it without controlling it? And it's like, you're just asking me how to control it in a different way, (laughs) you know? Um, And so there's, there's other ways that we can feel empowered in our lives. And so one really practical way, as I already mentioned, in, in the garden, Adam and Eve are operating within boundaries. And we live in a culture that tends to say freedom is the absence of boundaries. Freedom is when no one gets to tell you what to do. No one inhibits your will. And we just don't see that in Genesis 1 and 2. The most free we ever were was not in the absence of boundaries, but because of them. And so one way that we can actually exercise our agency is by restoring boundaries in our lives. And a huge one is our phones. We are so inundated with information. We're so inundated. We have this almost godlike omniscience about everything that's happening in the world. We're just overconnected. And this is forming us. It is creating anxiety in us. And we need to have boundaries with that amount of of knowledge. You know, in the same way, Adam and Eve were immediately overwhelmed by the knowledge of eating from that tree. And we are constantly overwhelmed by the knowledge provided by our phones. And so when we restore boundaries in that way, it's not that immediate, how do I fix this situation? But it is empowering yourself to put down control and pick up agency instead. Oh, this is so good. Okay, so we've spoken about control in its negative aspects, mm-hmm. but what about the positive things that we can control, whether mm-hmm. that's our thoughts or emotions mm-hmm. or managing time? Talk to me about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at the very end of the book, you know, I talk about agency and 
agency is to use like a theological term, I would, I would describe it as a form of common grace. It's something that everyone, whether or not you are a Christian or not, it's something that everyone possesses because we are made in the image of God. But because we live in this Genesis 3 world, our agency is also broken. And so that is why we so desperately need the Holy Spirit to intercede for us. And that's where I go in and just talk about the power of, of self-control, that, that we actually do have a good bit of control over ourselves. And I have a friend who's a counselor, and, and the way he put it, I thought this was so good. And I didn't even put this in the book. I should have. But he says that our control ends at our fingertips. And I thought that was such a really great way of putting it. Wait, explain that. What do you mean? So basically, you can't control anything outside of you. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Oh, that's insightful. Okay. So I guess we're starting from the the beginning at the end, but what's the why? Mm-hmm. What's the why behind this book? Like when you were when you had mm-hmm. this idea drop in your heart, like what is your hope in mm-hmm. your heart as we talk about yeah. such a an issue like control? Yeah. There were a bunch of reasons, you know, the pandemic really exposed the state of the church. You know, I I was seeing how people were responding and how just spiritually unprepared we were to face the pandemic. It was as if the world had suddenly spun out of control, as if we hadn't always lived in a world that was out of control. And we were not prepared for that. And so I, I saw that. And just as a pastor who cares about the spiritual formation of my people, realizing our people are being discipled by these habits of control, not these habits of spiritual formation. So that was one reason. But another reason was how it exposed my own control issues. And I've always known I shouldn't control and that I should surrender and you know, let go and let God, so to speak. But that was not helpful to me, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of it. I wasn't, it, yeah. it just, it wasn't motivating. And so for me personally, it was really important, especially in in those really intense discussions with my husband about the church, you know, how do I frame this in a way that motivates me not to control him when we're talking about the church, you know, it was something so important and realizing the cost of control that I'm going to lose much more than I gain by getting my way. That was really, really motivating me for, so that's the why. So we spoke about the cost and we know that's, that's like a benefit, but for somebody out there that is still kind of, I don't want to say not sold on the idea of letting go of control, but is there a payoff? Mm-hmm. Is there a payoff to surrender? Mm-hmm. What yeah. What is the payoff for someone that's like, okay, I am going to forego imposing my will, to use your definition. Mm-hmm. I'm going to forego to impose my will mm-hmm. so that God could do what God's going to do. What's yeah. the payoff? Yeah. So I just had a conversation with someone, and this was within the context of leadership. They had been listening to like another leadership podcast. And I feel bad that I can't remember the name of the person they were quoting, but they were saying that in leadership scenarios, when you are interacting with your staff, you are either losing leadership capital or you're earning it essentially based on how you interact Mm -hmm. with your staff. And so when you're faced with a situation where your staff comes to you and says, I want to do this thing, and you're thinking in your head, 
that sounds terrible, you know? And so in that moment, you could say, nope, I'm shutting it down. And so you're going to spend some of your leadership capital, some of your, your trust basically on shutting this thing down. But if there's a possibility that it might work or it might be good enough and for you to say, okay, let's try it. Like, let's see how it goes. You have actually gained leadership capital in that moment. You have gained their trust and you've strengthened that relationship. And I thought that applies to a lot. That applies to a Mm. lot of things. And going back even to my marriage, I can see how in the moments where I think I'm going to release this, I'm not going to get my way, you know, in a conversation with Ike and it might not work out, but me trusting him is actually going to build our marriage. And so that is a huge gain of releasing control. So good. Sharon, you clearly can tell that you've spent time researching and hearing from God and putting language around the cost of control and what this does to us. I can't wait to see just how people's lives are change because of your commitment to this and providing language for us to understand. As a control freak, I just want to say thank you. This is wrecking me in all the right ways. (laughs) And as always, for people who want to get information about where they can get the book, how they can buy the book, the link is going to be in the show notes. And as always, I want to say this in front of you. I just believe in the power of a good resource to help you a challenging season. And so five lucky winners are going to receive a copy of this book. And I, as an author, will buy the books individually from Amazon to boost those Amazon sales, honey. (laughs) But I appreciate you, your wisdom, your insight. I can't wait to see how God not only you know, moves in your midst, but in the lives of other people who are willing to just invest and do the work when it comes to control. Thanks, friend. I appreciate you. Well, friends, I hope that we have loosened our control over the grip of our lives and uh, that you've learned some practical things to apply. Again, if you want more information about Sharon, uh, her church, or any of her resources, you can go ahead and check out the link in the show notes. I'm excited about what we get to discuss, not just this week, but next week. A little sneak peek, we have the uber-fabulous Lisa Bevere, New York Times bestselling author, podcaster, writer, preacher, speaker, evangelist, and mother of five men. Yes, Lisa is one of the hottest grandmothers that I know out there. In addition to her being beautiful on the inside and out, she's incredibly brilliant, articulate, and she is pulling a power pack punch next week. I can't wait for you to tune in. Also, you could subscribe at Access More or wherever you download your podcast. Thanks for being part of the show. Appreciate you, friends. Mm-hmm.